This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Do you like professional wrestling? Well, we like professional wrestling too. So shake them ropes. I am Jeff Hawkins, joined as always by Chris Novembrino. And let me tell you something, kids. If you like a heavy news week, this is the week for you. It's going to be a lot of news and probably a lot of a dynamite on the lazy river for me. I don't know what Chris has up his sleeve, but I'm sure he'll throw me for a loop somewhere. <laughs> How's it going, Chris? Uh, I'm a man of mystery. I'm a wild card. I'm the X factor of Shake Them Ropes, well, and I'm I, happy to be here, Hawkins. I, I've never heard of this video game you were talking about, so I'm like, oh, what is that? Um. Okay, so so I went on the Xbox store here, I don't know, like a week and a half ago, and I was just looking through, like, what's on sale? And I saw this title, Romancing Saga 3, and I was just, like, looking at what it is, and it's a game made by Squaresoft uh, back ah. in the mid-90s, around the same vintage as Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI, right right in between them. I think this came out in 1995, but it only came out in Japan. And they finally released it in the United States, I don't know, like a couple few years ago here now. And I'm, I'm trying it out. Uh, I'm, I'm really into it. It's uh, a far more complicated JRPG than either of those games. And what makes it really interesting is that while there is a story, part of the game, or the game is more built around experiencing the world. There are eight different main characters, and you can play. You can start the quest as any of the eight, and each one has a completely different path through the world and a different way of experiencing the world. And so you get to sort of have that Rashomon-like different ways of looking at the same thing experience and different in, er, different interactions and, and seeing how these different characters are from playing as them as the main or whatever. Uh, it's, it's a very difficult game. There's lots of interesting formations. And then there are lots of strange extra characters that you can recruit. The, the one that maybe most pertains to our interests is there is a lobster named Boston who uh, is really good at melee and can do like suplexes and stuff like that. A Boston lobster. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I was, I was thinking he was a crab, but then I like looked, I was like, cause you know, Boston crab, but, uh, and he was doing all like the kind of melee attacks and everything like that. But no, it's a lobster. You pronounce melee. Melee. I melee. Okay. Just I'm not, I'm not particular. I like, I kind of switch back and forth cause I don't, I've, I've never been 100 on that word. So I've I, heard I, banal and banal. So it's, yeah, I get it. Okay. Cool. Yeah. You see, you just sort of hedge your bets. Yeah. Yeah. At least I'm right <laughs> half the time. No, I, I like going through like old, like I'm a, I'm a PlayStation guy. So I like going through and, and they, they have for very, very cheap. Of course, the uh, PlayStation two hits on the PlayStation four, which I have been playing old rockstar games the warriors based on the 1977 i believe walter hill movie and it's it's pretty great it's a pretty that's a fun great one game. B- bully's pretty good bully's uh, fun rockstar y- games are just fun I yeah yeah like uh, the kind of the differing titles yeah real quick. as opposed to like on the ps4 where you're just depressing yourself you know because you're like 
Red Dead Redemption 2 I love, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want to skin meat and make fur. I just want to shoot things. Bro, I enjoyed that game, but I got tired of the fetch quests. Yeah. You just, you get, there's a certain point, like, in many of those Rockstar games where... And I, I'm saying this is I'm playing like going out on dates in Grand Theft Auto Four. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's just not fun. One, one of the things I really like about this game too, because like obviously JRPGs kind of come with a little bit of that. They have this like fast in and out of the town system where I can just hit X and I yeah. can get out of a get out of a room and then get out of the town. I don't have to run out of the town each time. So you actually can like save steps and like navigate around very, very quickly. Okay. This is being recorded as rampage starts and before SmackDown. So anything that happens on that, those shows will not be discussed here today. I am sure it will be fire and we'll be (laughs) regretting this choice to tape early this weekend, but sacrifices must be made. The talk of the industry happened Monday night during the first hour of Monday night, Raw. Sasha Banks and Naomi, your WWE women's tag team champions walked out of the company. What we do know is that they were scheduled for the six pack challenge main event, which was advertised on television. And that is what we actually know right now. We've heard rumors. We've heard innuendo. We heard what plans were, etc. And now to give you both sides of the story on the WWE side, they quickly put out a message on social media quote, when Sasha Banks and Naomi arrived at the arena this afternoon, they were informed of their participation in the main event of tonight's Monday night raw during the broadcast. They walked into WWE head of talent relations, John Laurinaitis's office with their suitcases in hand, placed their tag team championship belts on his desk and walked out. They claimed they weren't respected enough as tag team champions. And even though they had eight hours to rehearse and construct their match, they claimed they were uncomfortable in the ring with two of their opponents, even though they'd had matches with those individuals in the past with no consequence. Monday night raw is a prescripted live TV show whose characters are expected to perform the requirements of their contract. We regret we were unable to deliver as advertised tonight's main event. Now, to add to this, Corey Graves went on the air and was put in the position of of criticizing both of them, saying that it was that it was originally meant to be a six-pack challenge until WWE Women's Tag Team Champions Sasha Banks and Naomi summarily and unprofessionally left the arena before this match could take place. Now, there's been a little bit of a leakage, I believe. This is also a rumor and innuendo, though, from the Sasha and Naomi side given to a third-party Twitter account. This is what it says. This is quoting from the Wrestling Observer. As far as Banks and Naomi's side, a Twitter thread, which a few in the company said was essentially them getting their side out to an account labeled, quote, security at just Jocelyn's cabaret. And that was privately said to be a basically accurate story from their perspective, read, quote, you are approached in February as being put in a tag team after both being promised big feuds at WrestleMania. You bite the bullet and put everything you got into this being a tag team. It works. You get over. Win the titles at WrestleMania and become merchandise pushers. Five weeks into your reign, you show up to live TV and ready to work. You are told you will be in the main event, and you are happy. You both are then told that one of you will be going over from pinning the other. You have questions why that decision was made and how it helps you all. You request a meeting with your boss to discuss it. Your boss takes the meeting, and everything is actually going well. He understands your concerns. 
The meeting ends well, and the match is told to be reconstructed. For some reason, producers get mad about it. You then ask with one of your members going over what happens to your titles. You are told basically that you will just be carrying the belts. They want you to use... They want to use you to help both women's champions get more over. Bianca versus Naomi, Sasha versus Ronda. Neither of you will win solo titles and you won't defend your tag titles until Money in the Bank, July 2nd in Las Vegas. You ask for another meeting with your boss, but this time you are being called spoiled. A producer walks away screaming. He comes back and tells both of you to fix your attitude. You all have a brief meeting amongst yourselves and decide to stand up for yourselves. You go to another boss and make it clear you just have concerns. You ask, why are we even in the match and why aren't other women in it? You ask why your title have, has had no stories for the last two months. Again, you are met, met with fix your attitudes and asking others you make the ultimate decision as a team. It's sad how one side is trying to create an effed up narrative. Also, it was asked why were Nikki A.S.H. and Dewdrop in the match instead of starting their own program tonight. Naomi nor Sasha talked down about their being in the ring with I, either one. I don't know how that got flipped. Chris, I have thoughts, but I have been talking for a while and I need some water. What is your take on all of this? I think of the two sides, the Naomi and Sasha side seems more plausible i don't actually think that they expressed concerns about the safety of working with nikki or do i don't either i i I just don't piper niven yes yes piper niven and nikki are both fantastic talents that was a poison pill by the company for if they return to so locker room discord that to me yeah I simply don't believe that be, um, not Bianca, uh, Naomi and Sasha think that Nikki and Piper are bad wrestlers. Correct. I, I, I just, I agree that, that, that beggars belief. So that was strike one <laughs> against WWE for me. Second, I feel like them, that statement of WWE is a prescripted show. Like, I don't know. I've been searching for the word for how that line strikes me. But like, can, can I tell you how it struck me? Sure. And maybe it'll help you clarify your thinking. You remember when others like JBL would make fun of the women for having the date they won the title tattooed on their back because sure. you're just marks? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, this, I remember that. This is them telling the talent, it's pre-scripted. It's a TV show. You're actors. Stop being marks and thinking this is real. Right, right. This And this actually reminds me, if we're going to go on the Wayback Machine with quotes, it reminds me of the CM Punk exit interview line where he goes, wins and losses obviously don't matter, but like also they do, uh, it's, uh, to paraphrase him. Which is yes. to say that, like, yes, it's pre-scripted. Yes, we are characters on television. Yes, 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 yes. But also, when you are moving merchandise, when you actually have some value in your character, when your act is over, it matters whether or not you're winning or not. Um, when Sean Spears, uh, just a random example at the top of my head, when Sean Spears was still in WWE system and he was Ty Dillinger as the perfect 10, that guy could move merchandise as the perfect 10. Um, they didn't want to push him like that, and, and it's unfortunate because they left, and he's just a super minor example of money on the table that is left 
Um, and it affects the performers because they get a cut of all the merchandise sales uh, by not winning, by not getting a more premier sort of presentation on the show. So wins and losses don't matter. Yeah, it's pre-scripted, but it matters what that scripting is because what that scripting is drives revenue for the individual performers. You are, of course, correct on all this. Let me... I mean, I'm not exactly pushing back, but I think there's enough. How, how, how do I put this? Blame on both sides, or at least things that we're doing wrong here to go around. Now, WWE has every right to say, this is the creative. You people need to do it. That said, with a disagreement happening and with others being released due to disagreements, such as Tony Storm over bad creative, to come out with that statement on social media and to do that on television, to me, is petty and unprofessional. That's sending CM Punk, speaking of which, a pink slip by FedEx on his wedding day when you don't have to. To call them unprofessional on the air and to put out a statement that they're unprofessional, that's that's just wrong. Yeah, incorporating into the television shows a totally it was a totally different level. In a show where they are constantly rewriting the show during the show. Oh, we're sorry that the planned main event didn't go off as planned. Give me an effing break. Uh, and I guess that's the, uh, that's the other reason why their complaints ring super hollow on this. It is not like this company has been committing themselves to eight-week booking patterns or something like that. They are writing this crap the day of sometimes. <laughs> yes. And it's and, him, and so, not, not them. It's him. Him, yes. He is writing this crap the day of. And so... It, they act like what Bianca and Sasha wanted was so beyond the pale. Naomi, such Naomi a, and Sasha, let me correct I'm, you there. Real yes, quick. Yeah. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, like Naomi and Sasha was so beyond the pale here. Yes. Uh, yeah, no. I, I mean, no. No. I, I mean, yes, obviously every wrestler can't do it every week. But this is not a show that it is so sacrosanct. Um, and these booking patterns are so locked. And I guess I, to be a little less like jokey about it it wouldn't matter if SummerSlam had already been booked out and the main event this week involving Bianca I'm sorry Naomi and Sasha uh the main event to, to go on to see who's gonna face Bianca yes, yes. uh the, the main event between those two um if that was involved in how SummerSlam was booked and what Naomi and Sasha were asking Vince to do would actually fundamentally change his card for SummerSlam, eh, they have a stronger argument then. But I can tell you, they don't really know what's on that SummerSlam card right now. So this changed nothing. This, it's hard to argue that what Naomi and Sasha wanted w was hurting the bottom line you of the company. You could have Naomi pin either Nikki A.S.H. or Dewdrop and get to the same place as opposed to pinning Sasha Banks. Now, that being said, let's go to the other side of the ledger here, Chris, shall we? Okay. I like Sasha Banks a lot. I love Sasha Banks, as a matter of fact. She's probably my favorite performer. I like this tag team of Sasha and Naomi. I think when you are actors in a performance and it is being written and the stories are being written and you are a star, they should treat you like a star, and Sasha Banks is a star. 
She's been getting downplayed ever since she came back from the Mandalorian stuff to me. And she, look, she, the people that are saying, who are talking to the Observer, because the Observer people were going, I have no sympathy for them. I think those are the people that are a little higher on the pecking order than Sasha, to be honest with you. You can guess who that is and who would talk to Dave Meltzer. That said, Sasha cares a lot, a lot about her legacy and also building women's wrestling. She and Bailey begged for months, perhaps even more than a year, to have women's tag team titles. And once those tag team titles to not just be props, but to be well-respected titles. That said, you're in the WWE. They could give a rip about tag team titles. Their modus operandi has always been to build main event single stars by beating the tag champs. It has been that way for over 20 years now. And their other modus operandi is to use tag teams as a vehicle for one of the two performers. Yes. And I think that might have been the other bone of contention yes, for Naomi yes, and Sasha. Because neither one of them wanted to be fed to the other. Correct. That also said, WWE in some ways barely gives a rip about women's wrestling so far as it can be used as buzzwords and marketing and, you know, if it provides certain entertainment to the people at home. If there's star power like Ronda Rousey, sure, they'll get it. If Becky Lynch finds the rocket, great, we'll use that. But overall, it's a means to an end like everybody else for the most part. If you can make you money, it's going to make you money. Both Naomi and Sasha have re-signed, knowing this. To then say, okay, I don't want to play ball with what you're saying. I agree with it 100%. I do. But <laughs> this is the life we chose, said Hyman Roth in The Godfather 2. There is something, too, that just read your lines and let's all just make money type of thing to this i'm not fully on board with that don't get me wrong chris i'm not i'm not staying well, that sounds really good until no, the prospect I, is making less money yes that, yes, that that's yes. what i'm saying I, and is, i think yeah. and i think that's where i get with you i'm not i'm not standing up for wwe here in any any way i'm saying that i'm thinking people need to stop deluding themselves about change from within in a product that doesn't want to change from within and in a product that makes more and more money every year. And all Vince is going to do when you give these ideas, like it, when you say that the product is bad, is going to point to the ledger sheet and say scoreboard. Yeah, so uh, based on that, honestly, it makes me applaud their decision to do this even more so. Okay. Um, I, I think the only thing okay. Vince respects then Jeff is force. Um, And, and I... I, I just, the scolding tone of, this is prescriptive, don't you get yes. that this is fake, yes. Yes. It, 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 is, it, it, it 
really reduce it, it illustrates to me if they really believe that that they do not understand the other side of the argument and even if they do understand the other side of the argument taking this posture says that they do not respect or appreciate or understand where the performers are coming from so you're right change from within like the uh you know we'll start the revolution now individuals are just gonna have to stand their ground uh you know that I think sometimes that's hard for individuals to realize, um, like, because we're all hoping, we're all hoping that someone else is gonna, you know, pick up the flag, so to speak. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, no one wants to be their own hero of the story; they like to outsource it. But I, I, I think that it's actually great that uh, Naomi and Sasha did this. Yeah, and they also like to outsource the villain too, because John Laurinaitis, being head of talent relations, very little to do with this. To be honest with you, this is all Vince. This is all Vince, yeah. It's all Vince. All I mean, Vince. it's. I, I just I <laughs> look. I, I've said this on Twitter, and, and my mentions blew up, and I muted it afterwards, so I didn't see a lot of responses to this. But I said, and I think I've said here, the one person, the horsewomen, who would be a game changer for AEW and move that needle would be Sasha Banks, and then Sasha could also go and do her TV projects because I think. Look, this is strike two for Sasha walking out of the company because she's not happy with the creative. And 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 actually it might be strike three now that I think about it, but maybe I'm I might be conflating strike one because there was the, the thing with the tag champs and losing them and then also leaving for that sabbatical, and then she was brought back to do the the uh the angle with Natty and then later Becky. Sasha's gonna take care of Sasha. Don't need to worry about Sasha. Sasha's made. Naomi, I got a few concerns about. <laughs> but but Naomi's also covered by Jey Uso. So and I, Roman in some and ways. Roman. If Roman and right, right. To speak up. Right. Roman will get his way. Right. Roman, yeah. So I, I, so no, I actually I really applaud this move because both of them are in a good position to do it. It's not for everyone to do, and so I wouldn't want everyone to just do it willy-nilly but like no i i broadly speaking think that this is a good thing stephanie mcmahon announced yesterday she's taking a leave of absence to spend more time with the family uh promises she quote will be back there is no timetable on this uh of interest and dug up by friend of the show david bixon span she edited her linkedin account to take off all references to wwe as her employer now there's still WWE branding on there and like the, in the, in the pictures and the photos and stuff, but it has been removed from her CV on her LinkedIn. That's kind of fascinating. I'll give you another odd take, but I don't think this has anything to do with it, but it is interesting. The, the, I'm taking a leave of absence to spend more time with my family. is generally not a genuine statement. It's generally covering up for, either a forced resignation of some kind or someone got caught doing something bad. Now, in, in her case, I do believe it probably has a lot to do with her husband and his health problems. And, and you know what, maybe there's been a little bit of a, of a reshuffling of priorities there. Maybe, you know what, she's going to be stay at home while he goes in the office now when the kids are there. Um, but it is interesting to talk about. And it's especially interesting to talk about given now that Shane has lost favor in the company and Triple H has lost favor in the company and Nick Khan is gaining a lot of uh, a lot of power behind the scenes, Chris. 
I think all of this further points to there is not going to be a return to WWE for Stephanie McMahon, or at least she's not planning on one because I think this company is getting sold. I think that the demobilization of McMahon-named individuals speaks to a long-term future without McMahon control of the company, and I I just increasingly think this ends with them selling. Okay, a lot of people think that that might end up being the case too. Nick Khan, I think I could he could sell the company. I do think Bruce Prichard and uh, Kevin Dunn are big winners as they continue to survive in this company and like their Teflon. I just it's, it's uh, Bruce Prichard's the one that really baffles you, right? Because he wasn't <laughs> he wasn't always in. So like as we're in like kind of like the final days, it's crazy that he's like one of the last barnacles still attached to the hole here. If this company ends up being sold, I want a game of Thrones type of show where it's just like, they're the, the McMahons are the Lannisters and everybody's trying to. What would that make Bruce Pritchard? I don't know enough about that show. He's he's very little. I think Kevin Dunn might be a little finger, but, but Bruce Pritchard could be like um, the maester or something like that. It could be in that inner, he's in the, he's in in the inner sanctum. But he also has his own agendas within the inner sanctum. So, yeah, I can see that happening. Uh, moving on, the Cardiff show is expensive. And it's far more expensive than people were expecting. WWE had its investor call out that 85,000 people had signed up to buy tickets, including 59,000 on the first day after the show was announced. But after the first day, there were no sections sold out and much of the top deck was not even put on sale. It would appear this is about pricing as... All day on May 18th, Wrestling Observer received complaints about the cost of attending, with people noting that for less money, they could go, they could practically go to Los Angeles next year, see two days of mania, because the ticket prices and ticket surcharges were so high. It was a very weird deal, as many said, that the lowest price they could get was 225 pounds, $281.25, when they logged in and passed on it. Later in the day, when they were told there were cheaper tickets available, they were able to get tickets for 39, 39.4 pounds, $49.25. It was noted at first they only put expensive seats on sale, so people freaked out. People noted huge differences in prices through later logins for the same sections. There were talks of front row with fees being more than $5,000, but the reality is for front row, people either will be willing to pay for it, or if they aren't, the price will drop but there were a ton of complaints about the pricing. The pricing across the board will drop in time if the demand gets smaller as the high prices are shown to the original people in line were because of the feeling they would pay them. And obviously, many did because of the rarity of a show being in the UK. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, You know what? I am, a, I am for people not paying a lot to go to live shows. I really am. But if you can soak them, Chris, <laughs> they're going to. I, I just, it's, it, this is, this is hilarious to me that, that that's like, they're going, oh, we're going to get a show. It's going to be a big show. And we really want to see it and not expecting them to at least try and get as much money out of the rare. It, it, it's, it's the, uh, it's the typical uh, little supply, lots of demand type of thing. And yeah, it's a crappy thing to do. It is an absolutely uh, I'm trying to watch my language here. It is shady as hell to go in there and jack up prices for your rare stadium show in the UK. 
But if people will pay for it, why wouldn't you? Okay, I'll, I'll counterpoint on this. Um, Go for it. I, I think the mistake that WWE has made here is when you come in and you ask for this large of a price, I, yeah, I'm with you. You can ask whatever price you want. Oh, I'm you know. not for this. I'm just saying. No, no, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying it like raw market economics. Of course, you can always ask for whatever price you yes. want. Like, like, like if this is an econ class, right? Um, now, pulling it out of the econ class and back into the real world. So you see your consumer... Your British consumer looks at this and goes 225 pounds to see WWE. Um, and, and then also this whole little scammy thing involving moving ticket prices. And all of these things discourage them from wanting to see WWE. And it makes it even less likely that they would see WWE again going forward. And this is not good when, like, WWE UK, uh, as Malcolm Bivens put it, is basically where one could go to hide <laughs> in the witness protection program. Um, like, like it, it's it's a pretty damning indictment of where WWE's British brand is circa versus where it was 10 years ago where they're going, hey, hey, Bailey, and like, yeah. you know, all, all that stuff. And, I mean, these people were the hottest crowd in the world for world wrestling entertainment. Um, let, let me pause you right there, though. Uh, they sold it for a decade, Hawkins, and I oh, think they've been really stupid. Oh, they've been killing these guys. They've been, they've been promising them the world. And, you know, every every investor call, every when are you guys coming to the UK? When are you guys coming to the UK? And every time they do a tour of the UK, they give them the most half-assed show. Half-assed Like, the crowd's there to be in it. And, you, and it would launch an, a good six to eight weeks of television based off of that one strong show. And, like, they, they it's almost like... They go to the UK and they give them the finger for liking the product. They, they put they put the car and the telephone, the red telephone booth and the double decker bus out on the stage and go, take this suckers. And then they give them a second rate NXT that kills their entire indie <laughs> indie uh, uh, circuit. You know, I, I just if you're with the UK, why do you keep it's the Naomi Sasha thing? You know what they are. Why do you keep falling for this crap? <laughs> it's just like, it's like, I get it. Everybody. Oh man, we're fans. Oh, we're going to, we're going to, we're finally going to get a big show. We're finally going to get a mania. Dude, th this thing is going to suck. I think I don't, I, I can't tell you that for sure, but it's, <laughs> they're going to, they're going to soak all y'all again. And you gotta leave disappointed as to why you didn't get as big. It's probably gonna be a story show. It's probably gonna be to set up for the next pay per view in America. And you guys are gonna feel like suckers. And I'm just like, why? Why do you do this to yourselves, knowing that they just abuse you? It's an abusive relationship for the UK fans, and I feel for them because so many of them fly over from Mania, and I've met a ton of them, and they're friggin' great fans who love this terrible, terrible. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, 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 it, it, it just it, it baffles. Oh, that's, all, that's all I can and, say. Hogan. And the other point that and, and Meltzer made this point on, on wrestling radio and I, Observer Radio, and I thought it was a really good one, is that WWE as a company is upset by the number of 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 uh, of um, um, oh, what's what's the name for uh, people who buy tickets and resell them? 
Oh, scalpers. 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 They're upset that the scalpers are are getting more money than they are with these tickets. So that's why they put the tickets up for sale so high so that scalpers wouldn't buy them so that they could get so, the money. So, so that they can do the scalping. <laughs> so like, oh my God, this company, this company can... And, and then the processing fees for more expensive tickets. So you're giving more money to Ticketmaster or whoever the hell you're working through. And that thing's an entire friggin' racket. It's like, oh, we're holding the tickets. So you have to pay us more money too. Screw them. Screw all of them. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> Quote me on that. Jeff Hawkins on Ticketmaster. Screw them. Screw all of them. Ticketmaster's horrible. Yeah. Oh, so and, is so is Vivid and, 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 so, and so is like, but like, so is this whole idea of jacking up the rates to stop scalping because it fundamentally misunderstands how scalping works as yes. a market, right? Like, it has no bearing what you're charging. It's the way a scalper works is it's rate X plus a hundred dollars, or rate X plus a hundred fifty dollars, or rate X plus fifty dollars. They're gonna scalp regardless. The XFL and its ownership group, Dwayne Johnson, Danny Garcia, and Jerry Cardinal announced at the ABC Disney upfronts on May 17th that they have signed a five-year television deal for games on ABC, the ESPN Networks, and FX. Chris, will we get new theme songs? <laughs> oh, I, I mean, it, when, when we get relaunched, absolutely. I, I, th- I, think, I think it's time for a multi-tracked version of some of these theme songs. So uh, when we when we get a sense of the teams, maybe I pick out a couple, I, few of them. I think it will them. be the same teams that were existing before. Well, then, then, you know, uh, I remember the Falcons or something like that. You know, maybe we'll, 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 we'll look at it. We'll, we'll take, <laughs> we're going to take a look at it the week of. Um, who knows what I've got up my sleeves? Probably like a quick four-track recording. Lots of interesting, um, at least observations from Upfronts. For those of you who don't know what upfronts are, this is the big rah-rah preseason. This is our slate of shows for next season that all networks do to get you hyped, to show you which faded movie stars are now doing television shows or what creator has now created something that'll get canceled after three weeks on their network. These types of things. For WWE's sake, NBC Universal has shifted Raw from being categorized as an entertainment program to the sports division in order to attempt to increase its ad sales and perception. Now, here's where things get very, very interesting for those of you who are wrestling fans of a certain other promotion. AEW presence was minimal. There was a banner at Warner Media Properties basically listing a hit show from every night of the week that listed the NBA on Monday. Shopped on Tuesday, AEW Dynamite on Wednesday with a photo of Red Velvet, Anderson Cooper 360 on Thursday, Gold Rush on Friday, Love It or Leave It on Saturday, and 90 Day Fiance on Sunday. But as far as any pushing of their ratings, demos, or anything else, it wasn't there, although they really didn't do that for anyone. No AEW talent was there. There was a highlight of properties, and there was a quick AEW clip, but that was it. Wednesday is, this is Dave explaining away the, the, the thing, but it's probably not going to work. So take this with a grain of salt. Wednesday is a bad day since all the talent was in Houston, but representatives from many of the key shows were there and they could have sent someone if the network wanted it. As noted, this went through many phases. The original was going to be a heavy push. 
Then it was very little presence. Then it was to be stronger. And as it turned out, it was positioned well at first, but wasn't pushed hard at all. WWE earlier in the week was a bigger deal with the Fox up front, where they had a specific WWE SmackDown presentation that pointed out SmackDown is number one in the 18 to 34 demo on Friday nights. And Roman Reigns was there on site. It is among the four major networks, but the NBA on cable beats it in that demo all the time. Dave just trying to stick that knife in. WWE also got ad deals with movie studios pushing releases. Now, the Wall Street Journal had on had an article on David Zasley, the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, portraying his role in cost-cutting, noting he grilled executives on greenlighting a Clint Eastwood film, Cry Macho, which they didn't expect to turn a profit. He asked why they did, and it was told that Eastwood, who had made the studio tons of money over the year and had never delivered a movie late or over budget, but he didn't care about history and said, we don't owe anybody any favors. They are cutting back on spending, which no matter how people portray AEW ratings is not a good sign for AEW and a balance of power in wrestling. Zazley pulled the plug on CNN Plus when it opened very weak, but was also only out a month and it also canceled the DC comic superhero movie, The Wonder Twins, planned because he felt the $75 million budget movie made no sense for a movie primarily slated for a streaming service. Hold up. Hold, hold the damn phone. We had a Wonder Twins movie and we're not getting it now? Oh, Chris. Chris, do you know the, the wonder of the Wonder Twins? Yeah, Dan, yeah. No, no, no. no. You, you, you know what happened here, right? Zan is, er, I believe Zan is the form of. No, no, no. Step, no step, on, step on the punchline a little more here, Hawkins. Please, please. No, it's, it's fine. It's fine. I'm, I'm, I'll just, I can wait. I can wait forever if I have go, to. What, go, what, the Wonder Twins were deactivated, Hawkins. That's, That's what I was trying to get to. Thank you. Jeez Louise. You, uh, do you do comedy? Have you ever done? Are you familiar oh. with the genre? Oh, do you, do you like one. it? No. Are, are you, are you actively hostile to, is that what's going on oh, here? Oh, I hate you so much right now. Cause I had forgot all about that stupid line. Cause I was so looking forward to trying to get a punchline with Gleek the monkey in there. And I forgot about wonder twin powers activate. <laughs> oh, you son of a, okay. Anyways, <laughs> as noted before, he's promising to cut 3 billion in costs, which also is not a good sign of a major change in a rights fees deal and said the company intends to have the highest level of financial discipline. There is now I find that interesting. I don't know if they just decided to go. I think also they probably just cut out all that budget for upfronts for, for, because they thought, oh, we're just a cable channel. And it's that old school thinking of cable isn't as important as the networks now. But Chris, you got to admit for a channel that hypes up its big money acquisitions in the NBA and even the NHL to some respect, number one, putting red velvet as your, as your well you gotta leave with the best foot forward hawkins look i love red velvet don't get me wrong very right, right. Very attractive so you, stunning looking young okay I, like, like that that part no i look <laughs> it, if she was good in the ring if she was like a top guy in the ring makes all the sense in the world yes. but i think we all know that she is not yes this is like uh this is like the nba on tnt uh, going for like, uh, like Tyreek Evans or something like that. Like <laughs> 30, you. 35 year old Tyreek. I don't even know if he's still in the league at this yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, some, some eighth, eighth man on the bench of the Oklahoma city thunder, you know, Ty Jerome. 
They made Ty Jerome the face of the NBA on TNT or something like that. And I love Ty Jerome. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but yeah, I, was I a just Tyreek Evans guy back in the day. Okay. Reek was good. I almost made a mid nineties. Like, like who, who would I call like James Buddha Edwards from the Detroit Pistons or something like that. You know, Something to that world be free, like like that. Rick Mahorn. They made Rick Mahorn the face of the NBA on TNT. Something to that effect. Yeah. Uh, In other news, Jim Ross has signed a new eighteen-month deal to continue in an announcing role. Okay. Uh, That's too bad. Maybe it's it'll be a different announcing role than it it currently is. One can. Yeah, that that, that'd be great. That'd be great. That'd be great. I, I I look for positives. Yes, we'll see. But uh, Ross's first three-year deal with the company was said at the time to be the largest contract Ross had ever had signed in wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) Enough said. Moving on, because I've been too negative. Uh, Hawkins, you'll never convince me there's meritocracy. That's my punchline on that one. There is built up, uh, (laughs) you know. He's not going to pay that performance. So I'll look, put it that look, way. The, uh, look I, I, I get when, when certain players who have been great for a franchise who have gotten old and lost a step complain that, oh, look at all I did for the company. I understand that. But at the same time. <laughs> How long do you get to keep making that argument, though? Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, it, It's one thing if it's like going back to like the NBA or whatever. Giving a player a contract for one year more than you probably should as a way of saying thank you. Jim Ross is operating on equity that's 15 years old at this point. Hey, I'm sorry. He made another reference to the Orient during a match with somebody from Japan this week, and I just I just cringed. So let's he didn't at least he didn't call him Oriental, but he goes man from the Orient this young man from the Orient, and I just went, Oh, Jim, come on, brother. Uh, Nicole Savoy announced her retirement at the last Hood Slam show up in Northern California. Sad moment for me. Y'all know I loves me some Nicole Savoy. Uh, went to see Shimmer 91 in Orlando, and I, I, you know, sure, I was late to the party, but hooked. This is a woman who did not make nearly as much in wrestling as she should have on her big day of a tryout at the WWE Performance Center. Of course, they're over-exerting them on these stupid drills. In the hobby... It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, 
buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And she tears her ACL. Comes back from it, has a pretty good indie career afterwards, does the Mae Young Classic, can talk, can can talk a lot of smack. Great stuff in Shimmer with the Trifecta stable with Mercedes Martinez and Shayna Baszler. I wanted her signed to one of the big two for at least a run. But it looks like she's just done with the whole thing. That's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, she, she look, I, there is still a, a real space for, for women stars in this business. Because I, I don't, I mean, I, you, you've got your Britt Bakers and like your Charlottes. But I, I think that there can be a higher profile for women. And there's enough space for, there, there, there was enough space for someone like Nicole Savoy to be more successful. Than yeah, and they, they put her with that. They put her in the big swole, little swole thing, which did not. I mean, they made her second banana to, to big swole. And swole I think that yeah. was just that was the wrong half of the team to sign. And I said that originally. But hey, teacher and Ric Flair back in training for a match that will be promoted by Conrad Thompson, his son-in-law, piggybacking off of SummerSlam in Nashville. Flair is 73 years old. Match will be held in the Nashville Fairgrounds, which would probably hold around 1,400 with a modern setup on July 31st. The Sunday. Sa- <laughs> I don't know why I said July like that because it was 7:31 in my notes. I'm trying to figure out what seven is. The Sunday after the Saturday Night SummerSlam at Nissan Stadium. It's the big draw for Starcast, a concept he first used at WWE pay-per-view shows. Blah blah blah. Thompson is billing the show as being promoted by Jim Crockett Promotions and calling it Jim Crockett Promotions presents Ric Flair's last match. It's going to indicate this was his last match, but who knows? In addition, there will be what is billed as the final four horsemen reunion with Flair, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, Lex Luger, Barry Windham, and J.J. Dillon doing a stage show together on July 30th, also at the Nashville Fairgrounds. Bret Hart will be also be doing a Q&A there. Ole Anderson, obviously not coming because he's a cranky old SOB. That said, the rumor for the match, possibly a six-person with Ric Flair teaming up with FTR to take on the Rock and Roll Express and a mystery opponent. It has been said that they reached out to Ricky Steamboat, who politely declined at the time, but that's the given rumors. Chris, Ric Flair wrestling at 73 years old, and he's been putting out videos of working out in a gym with Jay Lethal. It, he's not doing a singles match. He's doing like a tag match, right? 
Uh, we don't saying? know yet, but it's rumored to be a six-man Look, look if, it, if it's a tag match, he's going to go in. He'll do some glory spots. It will be a perfectly entertaining exhibition. Uh, and he won't be in that sort of scenario. I don't think he'll be in any great health risk. So whatever I, I <laughs> tell that, uh, uh, by the way, an addendum to this, tell that to d- former WCW announcer, Chris Cruz, who has gone on a campaign against Ric Flair wrestling, citing the health risk and wrote a letter to the Maryland state athletic commission, trying to get them to step in. If he was to wrestle in that state, Tennessee does not regulate pro wrestling, but Chris Cruz sent a letter to the commissioners of the Nashville Fairgrounds, Mayor John Cooper, and has contacted the Nashville, Tennessee, and newspaper saying that it's a danger and he has a pacemaker installed. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm he just going to say. a point. Uh, yeah, but does he have an axe to grind outside yes. of this with Rick Foot? Right, 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 right. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I'll start with convince me that he's doing this out of the goodness and kindness of his heart and that there's not ulterior motives before I start giving him too much credit. Lighter items now before we go into the Lazy River. WWE has filed the trademark Bloody Brutes on May 12th with the name set to be used for professional wrestling performances. It is rumored that this will be the name of the Seamus uh, Butch Stable. <laughs> How do you feel about that? I liked the Easty Boys better. I liked Fight Club better. Bloody Brutes is kind of meh to me. Yeah, I, I would have went with Butch Squadron, but like this is <laughs> this is pretty good. Bloody Brutes. Uh, kind of interesting rumor and innuendo. Edge apparently had handpicked Harland for Judgment Day, but WWE and found out something behind the scenes and they cut Harland. That would have been an uh, intriguing choice. I know. Uh, I, I mean... Because no, no offense to Parker Boudreaux, but he was green, man. I mean, green as goose crap. I just... If he had been brought to the main roster, I think he would have died within a year, to be honest. With yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I, no I, matter I, how good his look. No, I mean, no. I think that there's always this deception especially among people who are a little bit newer to wrestling that when guys are getting presented like monsters like this big heel monsters like this the implication is that they're very good at wrestling and oftentimes it's exactly the opposite they're not very good at wrestling so they're being given dominant matches to protect them from us seeing that uh they've got some weak spots of interest to those of you on the indie scene Pro Wrestling Gorilla has announced its next Globe show at the Globe Theater in Los Angeles on July 3rd, holiday weekend. If you want to fly out, make plans. Lineup is of interest to Chris because one of the one of the matches, Aramis versus Shane Haste, aka Slapjack. Yeah, there we go. I was like, Mike, who? who? Uh, Slapjack. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. <laughs> Chris doesn't even know that's, who these that's... people are. I know. I know. No. His no. Name. no. I, Shane is, is is the man who plays Slapjack is fine, but sla- Slapjack pre-scripted character. I gotta stop you. Slapjack is a compelling and timeless character that I think we'll look back on in a hundred years. In the same way that we look back at Charlie Chaplin as a delightful imp who sort of transcends time. <laughs> I think in, in the in the 22nd century they will look back at Slapjack is sort of like a, the way the same way that we look back at Bachwinkle, at Harley Race, at, at some of these other top guys from yesteryear. Of also interest to I me. I love you, Hawkins. Thank you. 
<laughs> he plays Slapjack on a pre-scripted television show that... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Mike Bailey, speedball, taking on Buddy Matthews. That sounds, that sounds amazing to me. But also, for the first time since 2011, PWG has booked a women's match. Yuka Sakazaki versus Masha Slamovich. Last time there was a women's match there, it was Candice LeRae versus Portia Perez. I am thinking about possibly trying to get tickets because I adore Yuka Sakazaki. I, I think that's going to... I don't know if Masha Slamovich will be able to hang with Yuka, but Yuka and PWG, I'm here for that. (laughs) What are your feelings on the Yuka Sakazaki character, by the way? Do you know who Yuka Sakazaki is? I I, I don't, but I I would just say generally Okay, She's the one who faced Riho in the first round of the Owen. The one who does the little genie. uh, Oh! Yes, okay. I do know who she is. Yeah, great character, not nearly as timeless as Slapjack, but yes. I, I, <laughs> now, now, now that you say that, uh, yeah, I, I like Yuka, and I think, you know, people people like a genie character. Do they love it like a Slapjack? No, probably not. Not as beloved as Slapjack. No. Oh, and, and one last thing. Uh, talking to Twitter, or taking to Twitter to defend uh, the former, <laughs> what, what was his name? The other half of MSK. His name's Zach Wentz, but I can't remember his, uh, his, his dumb name. MJF wrote, I lived with this man. He's not an anti-Semite. Stop virtual Satan and let the man do his job. Of course, the tweet was deleted very, very soon after. <laughs> but look, I, yeah, I don't know. That's a little difficult to get into. Wentz also came out with a very long apology about doing that when he was 19. Are we gonna? Are we gonna have people? <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, no, I, I mean, look. Um, I, I shared my thoughts at the time. The, yeah. The, 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 they're just something I, I would never, ever, ever recommend to anyone to take a photo of when no. you shave a Hitler mustache on shave day for you know, and you have yourself a little Hitler mustache for half of for you know half an hour or whatever on shave day just to see what it looks like. Um. I would never recommend taking pictures of it. I would never, would never say to post those on the internet. It doesn't appear that that's what happened either. Um, no, they're and, old photos, and it's one of those things and, where and, it's and like, old photos that yeah, like it might have that that were like private photos, basically being shared between a couple. Uh, yeah, it, it, the whole people, thing made people me feel, grow up. People grow up. I, I, it's different right. than sexual assault. I, I, well, okay, so well, obviously, but like, I, I mean, I think I get where MJF was going yes, with this too. Yes, and, yes. And, and, but like, he just didn't. I, what I think sucks here for MJF is no one even wanted to hear out what MJF was yeah. trying to say. Yeah. I can imagine immediately what was happening was he's the getting mob deluged. Came from him. Yeah. No, well, 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 I mean, not that way, but I want to even like pull away like capital T, capital M, the mob, and sort of like put yeah, like Yeah, no, specific, that's what I meant. I, I want to put, I I want put specificity yeah. on what type of action. So he's so you're this dude, MJF. You're trying to speak up for this guy that you know who you legitimately think is not anti-Semitic. All of a sudden, you are getting bombarded mm-hmm. with images of yeah. either Hitler or Wentz looking like Hitler, um, which is like, like no one wants that. Oh, I was, uh, saying, I was saying the opposite way where I was like, what, are you saying that it's okay to, uh, you know, that kind and, of thing. And that too. And so it's like, it's like those three flavors. It's a Neapolitan ice cream yes. of crap. Yes. Uh, yes. So, so no, I, I get why MJF wanted to shimmy sham the hell away from this. Yes. But it, but it, it sucks because I think we are, 
look, sometimes I think people are completely deserving of uh, the the worst interpretations and that they live up to the, the scrutiny that they deserve. I think there is also an increasing impulse among many to assume the worst intentions from the start, uh, in, in part because so often now it gets borne out, Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> that will conclude the news section. Now on to the lazy river of professional wrestling criticism. Anything we watched over the week? Anything that comes to mind? Perhaps even a, an aside or two. It's fair game here between Chris and myself. I'm going to start with a short one, and then I'm going to let Chris dive into whatever the hell he wants to, because I have been talking way too much, as usual. I really, really liked the short but sweet match from Patriotic Wrestling Federation in York, South Carolina, that Dax Harwood tweeted out between FTR and the team of Master and Machine, Griff Garrison and Marcus Cross, both of whom have been on AEW television quite a bit. Mick Foley seconding them. I don't know, Chris. I kind of miss the mud days of high school wrestling gyms and would adore if Tony Khan came out with a, hey, AEW wrestling be a great fundraiser for your civic organization or sports team commercials with all the B guys available. But uh, good for them. I like this Griff Garrison, Marcus Cross team a lot more than Griff Garrison and, and Brian Pillman, to be honest with you. Uh, that's because Brian Pillman comes out there every time and uh, lights the turd on fire when he, <laughs> when he gets the but, microphone. But I, actually saw, I actually saw another match with them against the Briscoes, and it was very, very good as well. I, I, I like them in the ring, but yeah, he, Pillman Jr. is just not any good on the mic. Um, yeah, look, uh, FTR just continues to be... They're great. They're just amazing. They're just a fantastic tag team. Um, I'm going to, I think zag where everyone else is zigging on Samoa Joe and Johnny elites, John Morrison, Johnny okay. Mundo, whatever you want to call him. I think John Morrison's still pretty damn good. And I, and I he, he's a pretty friggin' impressive physical specimen for a guy in his early forties. He could still move at a, at a very high rate. He is not Jeff Hardy. Like I don't need to see Matt and Jeff. Like they they are not turning in good work. I don't feel that way about John Morrison. I still feel like John Morrison can go. Let me get my biases out quickly. Um, John Morrison, in my extended circle of friends, uh, mostly due to improv, but also he he did a movie for a friend of mine. So I, if I name drop her. Oh yeah. Okay, cool. But you know, it, it's, you know, he's treated me and my friends very, very well. Very nice guy. Like him a lot. I really do. I think he was a good choice for the Joker because he is a guy who could give you a decent match, but also who you could beat. And I think people have been putting too much into these Joker things as having to be the greatest thing and having to make a huge impact when in general, the Joker has always been somewhat of a disappointment. See Leo Rush in the Battle Royal. And See, you don't want to push the Joker as the guy who wins the whole tournament. Correct. That, that's, like, that's that's bad. That's, you know, a dynamite booking. You know, not not like AEW dynamite. I mean, like, oh, there's a stick of dynamite. It, it, it's not. No. You want, you want the known quantities there. The Joker is an obstacle 
along the way for someone who was relevant in the story to overcome. Yes. Um, but but they, they should not be the focus. And so, no, I, I, liked, I liked Morrison as that pick for that reason as well. So, in general, I liked the pick, and I agreed with the pick, and I thought it was a solid pick. Would, it, would there have been a couple other people I would have rather wanted? Yes. I would have rather, much rather wanted, uh, like I said, Too Cold Scorpio or someone who had worked with Owen, because I don't think there's enough Owen Hart in this Owen Hart tournament. I think it's a tournament more than it is a tribute to Owen Hart. But there's enough with the Bret Hart stuff. that That's fine. That's good. I thought they were both a little off with each yes. other. I didn't think there was chemistry. No. Um, so I'm not going to overpraise the match. I thought the match was decent. I, there's something about and let me. It's let weird. Me... When, I, when I'm making my comment that Morrison can still go, I'm almost yes. making that argument in spite of this in match. In spite of the match. Because yeah. I, I saw enough there to see that like he can still do it. They just weren't clicking. And, and I, yeah. I, I wouldn't lay that at his doorstep or Joe's doorstep. No, I, it's, I, it, yeah, it yeah. comes with familiarity. And I don't think they have wrestled each other in a very, very long time, if at all. And I think it's one of those things where you're, you know, once, once you get used to each other, it, it was a bit of a styles clash, admittedly. I, let me see if this rings true for you. Cause I don't know how much of my wheelhouse you've watched in terms of wrestling. Samoa Joe is really in these latter stages coming off like an old school Wahoo McDaniel type, just a big brawling bruiser who chops the crap out of guys. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I, I see, I see. Yes, as he gets a little less mobile, he's, yes. he's just like, I'm gonna be stiff as hell. We're gonna have a stiff fight in the middle of the ring for a minute, and I'm uh, here for that. I, I'm pretty cool with that. Like, I actually don't need him to do all the dives out of the ring all that often. Like, like, I don't, I, I, I could. I, as a connoisseur of Joe wrestling, can see the drop-off, but it doesn't necessarily result in that much of a less satisfying match for me. Uh, let me take the other Joker, since we're on the subject of, of these tournaments, and Maki Ito. A goddess. I, I'm a, I am us. a fan of Maki Ito. The most entertaining. Her so. unrepentant stupidity is fantastic. The purists came out, Chris, and were like, Oh, we wanted a great wrestling match here. What? You telling blah, me she's blah, not blah. good at wrestling, Hawkins? Because uh, really, I'm telling you this. I'm no, no, you, no. She's, she's not. She's not. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. I'm telling you, it's more of an Owen tribute than people think. Because hey, remember when Owen died? What everybody said about him is he could make you laugh. Maki Ito makes me laugh, and that's Owen. Fine. Owen would love Maki Ito. Don't, this, e don't, don't, <laughs> don't even you purists don't even kid yourself. And Owen would absolutely adore Maki Ito as a character. He would get that she's like, no, I'm good at the ring too. But he would appreciate how she, she is extraordinarily entertaining with that entrance every single time. With the with the dead dead bodying herself and the, and the head drop and then the weird fire up with the turnbuckle, which I don't think she's ever done before. But the, the, the staging of this match was perfect geek heel who has teamed with star heel match in many many ways the star heel hugs her the the geek heel tricky heel decides i'm gonna get one over on her rolls her up to try and get the quick pin kind of laughs at but also then stops drives her foot in the ground to to you know to taunt her and then brit just destroys her until we get a comedic fire up spot in the turnbuckle that ultimately falls short and brit takes her take takes her rightful place over her 
I thought this was a perfectly acceptable match for the story they told in the tournament. Brit, I love, I love the finger poke of doom threat. I thought that was good too, because that's total. And then trying to screw her, I don't understand. I don't, didn't. I mean, your other choices here would have been what, what? Athena, who's pretty good, but you don't want to beat Athena on her first match in, do you? If you think she has something, Akita was perfectly acceptable to come in and eat this pin. It, and it really, I, it, and she's like literally a joker. Like she yes, actually, she exactly. Lives, she lives up to the definition of what this role yes, is supposed to finally, be. Finally, finally, after all these jokers, we finally get a joker. Right, that, and she even kind of looks like Harley Quinn. So, like, it, like it, 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 no, it, it makes a lot more sense for people like Johnny Elite and Maki Ito to be in these roles than these star debuts. Again, because the role of a Joker in these tournaments is to be an obstacle for an important uh, primary character yes. in the tournament. It is not to be the surprise, the new character. star. The nope. new star, yeah. No, and, and, or and more importantly, the tournament winner. So that even if you were going to have the Joker overcome someone and be like the surprise upset in the first round, you'd still probably have whoever that Joker would be in this hypothetical tournament eat a pin in the second or in the finals. Like they wouldn't be the person to ultimately win it. It's more narrow. It's more narratively satisfying when you you have a known quality to begin this story. Your turn. Um. Okay. So. Uh, I will go on and talk about the MJF and Wardlow stuff just continues to click with the audience, with me. I, 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 he, he is, he, he's so good. I'm going to oversell you on this. I thought this segment was perfect. I thought it was absolutely perfect for a wrestling segment for, for, for a penultimate show before the go home. I thought. You tell me what you thought, because I, I don't want to. I don't want to overstep you on your on your point. I, man, it, dude, like the best part for me was when MJF snapped and did six lashes in a row. Like he burned through four, or he did like four in a row, and he burned through four of his ten lashes, just like lightning fast, it, just because he lost it. That like Wardlow was actually able to snap. MJF. MJF, for his part, did an incredible job with the acting on that. And Wardlow, for his part, did a great job. At number nine, where he winced. Uh, that, yes. like, that that was that was good. I mean, it, the, that they finally were able to break him on the ninth one, but he was able to break MJF first. Uh, it, dude, like... This was so good. Uh, the, the, it, it, you may not like you may not like one of these segments or whatever. I gotta tell you, you you're gonna be hard pressed to find a better blocking for one of these segments than the one that you just saw last week. This I, is very very well. I done. loved the the yin and yang of this versus the Cody whipping segment, where Cody's overselling every single belt shot as if it killed him, and Wardlow's no selling this because someone brought up you know the way to do this is for Wardlow to no sell most of this. And I'm like, it's going to be hard to no-sell a belt shot, but damn if they didn't do it. And damn if that nut shot on number nine, or on, after number nine, I, I, you know what? I should have known it was coming, and I didn't see it. And it was perfect. It was perfect to do that. And then, and then for him to just continually whipping after the 10 things were, that were done, and then also, uh, like, snapping afterwards was also great. Not only during 
when he when he wasted some of his lashes that was cool but also like choking him with the belt which you would do if you had a belt for real you know that kind of thing and, and just continually beating him after after even you know the referee tried to step in i this was such a good segment they're doing all they are hitting all the right beats here with it yeah i i i I was off the train and they got me back on the train. Uh, I, I I can't give it any higher notes. Look, when MJF pairs down and scales down the performance a little bit, and it's weird because like th- this was like a, you know an intense moment sort of thing, but it was actually he was playing within the scene rather than trying to like play above the scene or act above the scene. And when he's not hamming and trying to do comedy, dude, he's a great heel. Yeah, he really is. And that's what I want want him to lay off on is the is the self aware comedy in so many ways, but yeah, I, I get that. Uh, so it's interesting. This is perfect. I'm going to go for my, for my two other picks, even though we're, we're, we're alternating. I'm going to go with something that was not good to me and something that was a mixed bag or was a mixed bag to me, but you can argue either way. So the Serena D promo, great content, dreadful execution absolutely and not just her the situation she was put in here this promo would have been great as a backstage vignette after tony finishes another interview with somebody and you could do the recut and you could get the correct emotions in there and you could get the correct enunciations in and do it this is not an arena promo this is a backstage promo or a studio wrestling promo or just a Give her the microphone and let her talk into the camera promo. She cannot control an audience of 11,000 people. She has to do this kind of promo one-on-one where she has the chip on her shoulder and she's angry at Tony and then it goes in the camera and starts talking about how WWE misused her. A manager possibly could have cut this off while she was standing there fuming. Perhaps Taz, perhaps Tully Blanchard. Two guys who can do angry promos really, really well in front of that kind of audience and can maintain an audience's attention because they were doing the what chance in the middle of this promo. I like Serena Deeb a lot. This was a failure on so many levels to me. And the and the content was so good. This could have been a legendary promo for Serena Deeb if they had a, if they had just taken the care and time to do it correctly, in my opinion. And I had another point, and I can't... Oh, I know what it was. Um, I'll give this to you as well, Chris, just as a thought. Talking about all the sexism in WWE and all the harassment and the creepy old men thing, knowing in the back of your mind that Serena Deeb is dating a problematic individual... Is there any dating? Marty Skrull? Oh, ooh, ooh. any thoughts relating to that you can add in there, or if you want to avoid it, I understand. But your thoughts on the Serena Deeb promo? So there was indeed 
good potentially home run stuff in there involving cutting her hair the breast implants like all the sacrifices she's made for the business i think that this needed to be written much more tightly it needed to really be about dustin and deeb and it needed to occur backstage and and okay an important moment in that whole like tony was a waste of time like she was like calling out everyone and it pulled the focus it was you're it's impossible to focus on any one person because you're having to focus on everyone concurrently. Um, so I would have had her just lock in on Dustin. Dustin as like a male proxy for Thunder Rosa. It works because they both like half paint their face too. Like, like there are certain things about Dustin as the stand-in that are actually quite good. But the most important thing in that exchange between her and Dustin that needed to occur didn't occur. Which is she kept asking Dustin a question and Dustin needed to answer it. Yes. And it needed to upset her and really set her off and be the whole catalyst for her beating the crap out of Dustin. Like, he should have said something like, you don't, you lack the character to be a champion. It's not that you lack the skill. You lack the character. You're not the type of person I would want to see be a champion. You, you don't, the way you are acting right now is not becoming of the a champion. The way you carry yourself. You don't carry yourself like a champion. And, and, and that needed to finally make Deeb snap. That, that, that she's like, oh, I don't carry myself like a champion. And, like, she breaks his ankle or something like that. And then Rosa comes out for the save. And, and again, I don't really think it needed to be about a belt shot on Thunder Rosa because also a singular belt shot on Thunder Rosa. What's that supposed to do? It'd be one thing if it was, like, pivoting into deep baiting Rosa to, like, you know, hurt her knee or something like that. But, but what Deeb's play here was, isn't entirely clear. I guess it was just like mind games or whatever. And and then Ross with the WWE ism of Serena Deeb has tons of momentum coming out of that. Like how she does your turn, sir. Um, okay. So Kyle O'Reilly versus Ray Phoenix, <laughs> much better than Kyle O'Reilly's previous matchup. It was, it's not, it, it was fine. Um, it, 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 like it, 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 it was much closer to where I expect a Kyle O'Reilly matchup to be. If they had kept them separate for weeks and they could have played this up as a battle of styles, I think that would have been awesome. The ground game versus Phoenix. I think it definitely cut into the Jeff Hardy main event, though, because it well, looks and, what, and what a shame that is. Yeah, I, no, trust me, I, I get that notion. But on the other hand, it looked like Kyle was fully in control of calling this match until Phoenix kind of said, Hey, I want to do some of my stuff here and let's do this, 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 and this. And then it started to drag on. And then on that, on that last mat thing, it was like that struggle need to be about a minute and a half shorter than it was. And I don't know what was going on there, but <laughs> it, it, they jam banded this thing quite a bit. I thought, um, to a point where it took a nice tight match and kind of made it drag a bit. Yeah, I I get that too. I I I I was just coming in here based off of O'Reilly's last match, which I thought was a stinker. Uh, it, it it's it's weird because I I used to view him as m- much more of a top tier guy, and he just hasn't been working at that level lately. Let let me uh, let me add something before I get to the thing that was a mixed bag. Uh, I want to I want to praise something because I, I feel like we've been doing a lot of negativity on this show. I really Not enjoyed I, I enjoyed, I'm a positive guy. I enjoyed Adam Page and Takeshita. I, oh, I yeah. really did. Yeah. And, and by the way, on this PWG show, it's gonna be Danny Garcia versus Takeshita. 
which ought to be that ought to be some smoke right there. The only the only minor quibble I have with this with this match was Takeshita needed they need to get rid of that that final fighting spirit thing for me. I don't like fighting spirit. I like watching the struggle of a guy give it his all and be exhausted and not necessarily get the final I've stuck quarters in the arcade machine to get a final spark of life thing. And the, the, the no sell clothesline off the top rope, the discus clothesline him, no selling that and firing up to eat the buckshot lariat. I didn't like it. I, I just, it was, it, it rang hollow to me. I would have much rather have seen him exhaustedly turn around, kind of accepting his fate and eating that buckshot lariat match itself. Good Lord. Absolutely fantastic stuff. I thought. Yeah, I know. I, 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 that, and I, I think they, they've been doing a nice job towing this line with Adam Page's presentation too, where you, you just don't quite know where we're going to end up with this guy. And when it's all said going into this main event, I, I you know, I like the build to this punk and page match has been quite good too in its own way. Yeah, no, it has been real good. I want, I want a couple of promos on Wednesday in Vegas. But I actually think like avoiding that and like having page wrestle has been smart. Um, Cause like page, when he's been on the mic throughout, this has been kind of the weak point. Uh, it's when yeah. page and punk, I punk don't even on the confrontation. Mic. I just need yeah. them each, each cutting a promo on the other somewhere. Yes. Yes. Or okay. I guess Punk needs to say something, and then Paige needs to do something. Your honor. Um, my honor is <laughs> indeed up there. Um, boy, William Regal. Is, okay, here we go. Because this you want to talk about Joker point. and wild card? Uh, the wild card, the biggest wild card in AEW right now is William Regal's mouth, which is liable to say. All sorts of things, not necessarily problematic things, just stuff that makes you go, huh? It it was a few weeks ago. I don't have much time left on this earth or whatever that that bizarre line was. And this week is, I like to shove your toothbrush up my ass. Um, And I don't feel like Regal shoving the toothbrush up his ass makes for a better program or or a stronger program. Um, I, I think it actually brought down the seriousness of the Blackpool combat. Club. Thank you. And I, I made this point on Wednesday on the dynamite show. I did because uh, people were overpraising this thing. And I said, no, it, no, no, it sucked. It, it, wait, people are praising this. Oh yeah. People loved it. I, I'm not damning Fine. it to hell, but like it was bad. Like, can we, I, I, I guess was, we can't, we can't all agree on that, but we should be all able to agree on that. Like, Chris, it let, was me expo- bad. let me expound on your point about his mouth. Not only did he do that, I might, I might, you know, I might, I don't have much time on this earth type of thing. Last week, the quote unquote, oh, look how awesome this vignette about the Blackpool Combat Club is. He's talking about taking a knife and cutting people's face so that people remember the scars. And this week, he's talking about shoving people's toothbrushes up his butt. All right. The, the Jericho Appreciation Society can do these sports entertainment type promos and wacky comedy. And, oh, my God, no, you didn't. And actually, you know, it would have been great if Jericho had brought up the whole T angle that everyone was obsessed with this week. And Regal had been like, that crap is over, yes. Chris. Yes. Christopher, we're not doing that. 
my young friend, not so young friend. Yes. We're not doing that anymore. I wanted, I wanted angry Regal calling him Sunshine Regal. I, I, that's what I let me tell you something, Sunshine, you know, that kind of thing. And I, I actually wanted him to end screaming blood and guts, but we're not going to get a blood and guts match because they can't do two rings in the, in the Las Vegas thing for double or nothing. But yeah, I wanted these guys. I mean, Kingston brought it with all business. Moxley close but regal needed to be the guy setting the tone here for for that side of the ledger and he didn't and that's why i thought this kind of failed in a, in, in some ways i i just it, it it went on and you're just like that that just did not match the tone and especially with the danny garcia uh uh tag on it about oh i shoved your toothbrush up my butt too i it got a good reaction i got a laugh but that's not the guy i want to laugh from that's the guy i want to fear yeah, I, I, and and the whole hope with Danny Garcia is that like this was gonna improve and intensify his presentation, and like th- that is not happening here. It just isn't, uh, it, and it's unfortunate because Garcia was a hot property, and now he's a doofus and a beret. I still like him here, but man, there has to be. <laughs> no, I like Matt and Ange here. Okay, but H- Hager. And Garcia aren't adding anything. Hager, though, <laughs> I talked about this as well. Hager has potential to add things. They just never script the right lines for him because his deal should be he's giving un. He doesn't have any self awareness that he's not entertaining, but he thinks he's entertaining, but he's also not trying to be entertaining at the same time. It's like, it would be really good if, like, he would say stuff, and and every single time the reaction from everybody was sort what? of like, yeah, what? "What the hell?" Yeah, and they and they have to try to get back on track. Every yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's how yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. no, good, good, good one, Jake. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's enough. But that was great. That was very funny. No, uh, in, no, like in that first thing where where he goes, uh, um, <laughs> when they're introducing themselves as sports entertainers, and if. If Jack, if he had gone, if he had gone, you know what we do really well? We dance. And then everyone just kind of looks at them for a moment. No, man, we ain't doing that. What are you talking about? And they just move on with it. Those <laughs> kinds of lines, those lines that where everybody just kind of turns them and goes, what the hell are you talking about? And then try and get back on track. Dude, those things are money here. The, 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 the offsetting of, of mixed martial art, Jake Hager, being a quote-unquote sports entertainer. That, yeah, no, that would work here. But uh, I have watched no other wrestling this week. What do you got? Anything? Do you want to delve into it, No, it's so hard to watch that crappy show. I, let, let me get some results. We'll, we'll do it right quick here. But, like, that show is horrible. I, I it, It's just joyless. Grizzle Young Veterans is Druids not doing it for you? God. God. Uh, NXT results. Um, like... And, and you know, I, I, I put it on when I'm going to bed like that. That's, that's <laughs> no, and what a, what a crazy, what a crazy shift over this last decade from when I used to caption this stuff. And it would be the thing I would look forward to do all week at work to well, now this is a show that like bores me to tears. And if it was still on my work radar, I, I it would be. It would be like better than doing like the worst things that I used to have well, let's to bring caption. Up the one cool thing I saw out of it, and then let's call it a day here. And and even though it was cool, I, I have fears. Uh the smaller Creed brother, or the more round, shorter Creed brother, doing that cannonball 
off the top rope and then landing on his feet. That'll kill your knees, brother, but it was awesome to see. Yeah, Brutus, Brutus and Julius. Okay, that's are, Brutus. Yeah, is that Brutus, Brutus or Julius? That's, that's okay, Brutus. Brutus you. is a short one. Um, and, yeah, no, Julius, they're both great. Um, Andre Chase is continues to be oh yes he's uh, great too yes. yeah he's he's actually very entertaining um i the the review i'm looking at didn't seem to like this match at all i mean look it, it is what it was um andre chase ain't there to give you good matches he's no, not what, what are no, people expecting I mean, no <laughs> and like it's he can't have good matches in this nxt this nxt is not the, uh it's not even about andre chase this dude. isn't a star this, rating fed this, anymore this yeah this nxt is not there to give you good matches um now still grading on that curve kiana james stinks um like she, she that, that entrance like she, her gate and everything was just lacking um she she's she's pretty girl in business casual that's her gimmick. no but her promo also sucks yeah she's not she's not i i, I want to say this nicely she does not speak in a way that tracks with super brain <laughs> i agree i just it, it's like I, I wanted to watch impact but i didn't have time but that's looking like it's going to be added, I think, probably next week on Thursday. Because the Briscoes are just awesome, and I love them. And uh, they have good wrestlers there. It's just, it always feels like, it always still feels like TNA to me. And I can't get past that sometimes. I can't get past the bad taste in my mouth of what TNA brings to the table. But uh, I know, you you always be worried that it's like a turnkey TNA that at any yeah. moment it might turn back into TNA. Sell me on it, kids. Sell me on watching it more and more impact. Cause I do like a lot of the people there. It's just one of those things where I'm a little nervous. I, I watch enough wrestling, during the week. but uh, let's end it there. I am Jeff Hawkins. You can follow me on Twitter at crap game 13. He is Chris Novin. You can follow him at DWATG. We are part of the voices of wrestling podcasting network shows for every type of niche fandom you can see and also the flagship which pretty much covers it all every week dropping around wednesday or thursday sometimes even early on a tuesday joe and rich three hours of wrestling talk my god i can't even imagine but they do it and they do it very entertainingly i am on a show over on another patreon network patreon.com slash fight game media five bucks a month you can hear my hot takes on dynamite called the dynamite show very creative myself and paul ace fontaine hear a lot of those points this week to be honest with you but hey they got a lot of great shows they have an impact show over there they have a lot of other shows over there um chris does shows on politics because he likes to get out of his comfort zone and (laughs) i didn't mean it that way i just meant out of wrestling but it's called don't worry about the government he's gonna plug it for you now yeah don't worry about the government it was a show i I used to do pretty regularly here over the last decade did you just drop an episode yeah, I, I did. Okay. Like, I'm, I'm, we're still doing one, one, one a month. You not want to plug this anymore? Because we no, no, it's it's no. I still want to plug. Jeez, Louise, Hulk, <laughs> I'm trying to get me to cancel my politics show. I cancel you. Yes. Uh, Patreon.com/slash/dwatg. <laughs> Don't worry about the government. Uh, I need to edit the show, but if you want to watch the video version, you can go. A bucker show is all I ask, which translates to a whopping one dollar a month. So if you've enjoyed this and you want to hear another podcast, a buck. A show over at patreon.com slash DWATG is all I ask. Uh, I would appreciate it. Slapjack forever, people. I'm trying to get that sweet, sweet Novembrina Luker over to shake them ropes. <laughs>